Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. I am Rob Schulte. Happy holidays, Bill. Happy holidays to you, Rob's. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's a it's a Friday evening. You and I both have a, a belly full of figgy pudding. And <laughs> the best part about it is like we're playing a prank on our listeners right now. Uh the person speaking right now is actually Bill Tilly doing an impression of Rob Schulte. And uh, who you thought was Bill Tilly is actually Rob Schulte doing an impression of Bill Tilly. I know. Real mind mess, isn't it? Yeah. So throughout this episode, understand when you think you're hearing Bill, you're hearing Rob. And when you think you're hearing Rob, you're hearing Bill. And now that everybody's turned off their podcast <laughs> and run the other direction. No, no, no. Just kidding. That's that's more like Halloween. That's kind of a trick-or-treat thing. But yes, we are in we are going down a path of impersonation. Yes. With this particular episode of our podcast. And I just can't wait to talk to you about this, Rob. Well, Bill, um I I have a lot. <laughs> this made me think a lot. Let's just put it that way. Well, that's good. It made me think a lot. It was something I hadn't seen before. So if you hadn't listened to our last episode, dear listener, please go back and do that. But you'll know that Rob and I have decided to give each other this year the gift of a piece of media to watch as a special episode oh, of yeah. this show. Last week, Rob gave me his, which was The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis. And in that recording that you heard, I alluded to my pick that would possibly not cause mental damage to Rob's in any way, but it may have been the unfortunate side effect after I laid this one on him. So, Rob's, would you like to let everybody know what we're here to discuss tonight? Oh, yeah. If you decided to skip over looking at what this episode is and you, you like the surprise, well, Bill and I, Bill... More than I. Bill has specifically chosen for us to watch uh, a Christmas Carol. Not just any Christmas Carol. 1978's Rich Little's Christmas Carol. You can almost hear the listeners gasping as they hear that name. Because I know some of our listeners out there are old enough to remember this. But yes, this was a piece of media that... uh, Kind of actually took me by surprise a little bit too. Full disclosure, everybody. I had a different pick for Rob's. Oh, wow. But 
in discussing what movie I, I could have done with my wife, she brought this up. And I, being a child of the 70s, went, this can't be. I've heard everything. I don't remember this. And she goes, oh, no. It turns out that this particular piece that we're about to watch, her family had recorded on videotape back in the day. And she told me this was the only version of A Christmas Carol she knew for like the first 13 years of her life. Dear God. It wasn't on TV. They'd recorded it and they just watched this one over and over again. And I'm like, you have to show me what you're talking about. And as soon as it came on, I texted Rob's and I'm like, I'm changing my pick. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I didn't know who Rich Little was. I think I knew the name. You know, I had heard it in passing on, you know, me, you know, being spoken of on media that I had watched, but probably never knowing exactly what it was. I did a little bit of Googling. I did a lot of texting to you, Bill. Like, what? Who? Why? Yeah. And it made perfect sense because Rich Little was a celebrity from the 70s and through the 80s. But he was a celebrity and a kind of performing celebrity, like a lot of game shows, a lot of specials, a lot of Johnny Carson, but not a lot of straight up media as in starring roles or starring on TV. Like not a Jim Carrey type that busts out and you, oh, I know who that is. We just knew who he was because he was on everything else. Yeah, well, and he got his start in... Canada, right? And then broke mm-hmm. out in the United States in the what, late 70s or yeah, mid 70s? Yeah. No, had to have been like the 60s because this is the 70s, right? Yeah. Yes. He, he began in the he began in the 60s, but it was the 70s where things really hit their strike. Of course, that's where I pick up. And he was on the Carson show, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which back then was your pathway to stardom. It, mm-hmm. Whatever your field was, comedian, movie star, whatever. As long as you could get on The Tonight Show, people would see you and then they would want to go see you again because you had Johnny's blessing. And Mm. Rich Little was touched by the hand of Carson back in the day. (laughs) So he was he was just great. And it was kind of amazing to to watch this again and realize there's a scrap of him that I had not seen. So this was pure joy for me and I'm sure mounds of confusion for you. Yes. Uh, Well, Bill. I think we can talk a little bit more about Rich Little's Christmas Carol, but would you like to give us the back of the VHS box that you took from your wife's family? (laughs) I would be thrilled to. The only thing is I can't do an impersonation of Rich Little, so I'll just have to do it in my own. There is no Rich Little. There is no Rich Little. Oh, it's like he's he is an enigma wrapped inside of a riddle inside of Mm -hmm. another impression. So the back of the box for Rich Little's Christmas Carol goes like this. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and Rich Little is in the house. The master impresario is at it again with a little bit of Christmas cheer. Rich comically retells this holiday classic by Charles Dickens, replacing Scrooge with W.C. Fields, Richard Nixon as Jacob Marley, Edith Bunker as Mrs. Cratchit, and many more. All of Rich's hilarious characters are sure to become a holiday tradition." Sure to become. Sure to become people are watching it to this day you and i are watching it (laughs) we are it is out there and we found out later it is on dvd and it's surprisingly expensive yeah to purchase this has to be like because of the limited quantities right yeah yeah i figure they only made like four of them but yeah (laughs) yeah there's there's like the there's one that's way too expensive for a dvd that's still feasible like if we really wanted to like you could afford the 
$50 Rich Little Christmas dual DVD with Rich Little's Robin Hood. Uh-huh. But then you have to live with the fact that you paid $50 for a DVD that's like standard definition. <laughs> yeah. Probably opened. And, and I'll tell you from my own personal experience, you're speaking to someone who paid far too much for the Celebrity Bowling Christmas album. And let me tell you, <laughs> It's fun to think about, but once you plop that money down, you do have regrets. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. need to put a limit on how bad you want to hear Rich Little's commentary on that. And 50 bucks is well over that limit. Yeah, because that's all you're doing is you're paying for the commentary because yeah. this whole thing is available on YouTube if you it really want to watch it. Yes. So please go out and experience this after we're done here. But before they do that, we probably should give everybody an idea of who's in this piece. So, Rob, will you read this extensive list of uh, starring characters in this? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, it's directed by Trevor Evans. It's written by Rich Little and, of course, Chuck Dickens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rich Little is everyone. And, uh, well, let me just pull up the old wiki here and just go through who everyone is. You know, they said a couple of them in the back of the box, but yeah, W.C. Fields. So, Rich Little... Does impressions of all of these people. Yes. Let's, don't get it twisted here. These no. None of these actors or people are in this film whatsoever. <laughs> no, and it's at this point, some of them aren't even alive. So. Yeah. And there's a little marking in Wikipedia next to the ones who are not even alive. So W.C. Fields as Ebenezer Scrooge. Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit. Well, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Carson as Fred. Laurel and Hardy as the two solicitors. Richard Nixon as Jacob Marley, Humphrey Bogart as the Ghost of Christmas Past, Groucho Marx as Fezziwig, James Stewart as Dick Wilkins, Peter Falk as Columbo as the Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, Gene Stapleton as Edith Bunker as the is Mrs. Cratchit, Truman Capote as Tiny Tim. <laughs> Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau, who's the ghost of Christmas yet to come. James Mason, James Mason, mm-hmm. is, and George Burns, and John Wayne as the three businessmen, and Jack Benny as a boy. Yes, a uh, boy. This was filmed on videotape and includes a laugh track. Bill. It, it does indeed. And it's uh, it's it's painful. I'm just going to come out and say the laugh track <laughs> is excruciatingly painful. The laugh track is always excruciatingly painful. But especially now as an adult, as a kid, I admit I didn't hear the laugh well, you track that way. It's not that big of a deal. But no. when you can really start picking these things apart, like, oh, this is a one man show where he's playing all these. Well, of course, there's not going to be an audience because. He has to do everything bit by bit. And can you imagine the amount of set changes and costume changes? I didn't find out how long it took to film this thing. I'm sure they were rushing it along, but they had to be going at a breakneck pace for him to change all these characters and do all these cuts between scenes. It is quite a piece of manipulation of film for a 70s project. Well, and here's the thing. Um you would first think, okay, well, we'll do all the W.C. Fields scenes and then we'll do all the other things, right? Well, W.C. Fields, maybe that's a bad one because he's in every scene. 
but right. there's a lot of different set pieces too. So it's like, yeah. it is like, okay, we have to do, I would think we have to do everything in the boat and bottle business, Scrooge's headquarters in this and all the different characters, then move on to the next set piece, do all the characters. Then, so it's, a, it would be a real pain in the ass, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, I mean, you think about this, and it's I hadn't thought about it until earlier. This is kind of a precursor to all those Eddie Murphy movies where he plays every oh, the clumps under the sun. Yeah, so you know this is this is pre clump. Yeah, switching around some serious stuff. You strike that cardboard set. We got to get the next one up and get to rolling. So it it's pretty neat to watch him go through. Of course, you can see the obvious stand in when Rich has sure. to be talking to himself but there is some split screen in this i was going along going okay there's not going to be any in there and then we did hit some and it was pretty good for 70s quality i will say this could probably move into our likes and dislikes mm-hmm. when they did the split screen especially with like laurel and hardy there was minimal split screen delay which is the worst like you always wonder like you watch multiplicity, you watch any sort of movie where someone plays multiple characters. Like it feels like it went on far too long where there was that extra beat delay where you're like, why is this happening? (laughs) You know, and this, you can, you know, that didn't happen much at all. So that was good. I like that. No, this is a, not a long piece of film. It's right around an hour. I think just mm-hmm. right around 50 minutes. So, And for as much as it's got to go through, it does get from spot to spot without too much waste of time or dragging between things, which is good. And it you know doesn't give you too long to, I guess, peer into the set when you're watching each one of them go along and watch Rich interact with everybody. But I, I get to give him credit. You know, he never drops his energy and he keeps it moving along. And they, they kind of keep that split screen to a minimum, which is good. It's They don't get too adventurous with it, which... I'm sure leads into keeping the the budget down and everything. But in that case, I think it works in its favor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that like there's, there's this like theatrical element to this where it's like, let's not take ourselves too serious, but let's use the budget to where it needs to be used. Yeah. And speaking of that, that leads into one of my likes is that this is actually a Victorian setting. And Mm -hmm. apparently they had thought about doing this as a modern day thing with Rich Little impersonating these people as they would have been, of course, except for the ones that are dead. They would have pretended to still be alive in 78, but playing these characters as straight up impressions of these people and thinking about that, I looked at it. I'm like, that's terrible. That would just have been a terrible idea because... It looks authentic. I mean, it looks as authentic in the way of when you watch one of these specials on TV and they're like, it's an English Christmas. Of course, it's a set, but it looks like any other set that any other production would have used that you would have been fine with. And I think it really keeping it that way and then interjecting the attitudes and characteristics of these people that are like, oh, I know who he's doing an impersonation of and knowing that it's the same person doing it, it keeps your attention. Uh, And just kind of pulls you along with the story and makes it really this crazy special performance, whether it's good or bad. That's kind of up to each individual taste. But I'm I'm glad they played it for a concept that's this crazy in a setting that's this straight. It really the two juxtapositions really work well for this one. Yeah. And I think it'd be 
a good idea to let the audience know that like this is a pretty straightforward Christmas Carol story. Like mm-hmm. the only things that are really changed are for jokes. Yeah. You know, like the boat and bottle business instead of just being like I don't even know what Scrooge is in the middle. He's, well, he's doing a lot of accounting. I know that. Well, he's they play up him being an alcoholic in this Well, one, in this one, yeah. In this sure. one, yeah, because he empties the bottles that Bob Cratchit builds the boats. He's literally building ships in bottles, everyone, yeah. and apparently selling them for extreme markup from the sound of things, which, of course, makes absolutely no sense. But you went, they went a long way for that emptying the bottles joke and... He got there, so I'll give yeah. him credit for that, even if that makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, I will say one of my likes on this is that I liked that only that I personally only knew a portion of the impressions and people he was portraying, which makes me remember like why we do this podcast and how quickly you know household names are forgotten. You know something that I may be attached to doesn't mean the mass population cares about or even remembers anymore. And same for anyone else. Like just look at your wife, you know, this is ingrained in her DNA for Christmas time and you and I had no clue. And I think you can extrapolate that onto, you know, any number Edith Bunker, right? Like (laughs) I, I don't remember what she's from all in the family. Maybe. You got it. You okay. It. And, you know, Paul Lind, of course, who could forget the Paul yeah. Lind Halloween special. But besides that, you know, these are fading members of media history and, you know, Nixon being presidential history. But, you know, it, it does bring back these sorts of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm glad this exists, even though it's a weird fever dream of a Christmas carol. <laughs> Yeah, and you're absolutely right, because this was a time when people who were famous for things like Jack Benny, W.C. Fields, back in the day, like those names would live on longer because the media impression they left. Plus, if they were done acting, they would do the Carson show and they would do Hollywood squares for. Yeah, they would do game shows forever, even if they weren't. So you, they were still in the public conscience. You would still know them. And the, as soon as this came on, I immediately was like, we're going to sit here and we're going to name every impression. And <laughs> I'm going to see if I can nail everyone he's doing and see if I can remember them all, because that was the fun part of watching them do that kind of stuff. But you're right. Even looking back, I would think, my God, how long has it been since I've heard these people mentioned in any way in modern times, most of them, not at all. I look at that list and I can't think of the last time anybody brought up any one of these people's names in any way, shape or form. Oh, yeah. But it was nice because it also showed you how endearing we were to their public persona that you know, oh, yeah. Rich does. If Rich did your impression, I think it was kind of like the celebrity version back then of if Weird Al Yankovic does your song, your comedy gold, <laughs> you've made it. <laughs> I'm sure that's not how people think about that when he does. No, but maybe 20 years ago, that's also how they would have thought about it. If if Um, Rich Little did an impersonation of you, that was actually something that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, Bill, what else did you enjoy from this special? I like that this whole thing was done at all. all. (laughs) This was a time when TV was just an insane mix of things they went out on a limb with this crazy special they took this classic which some people probably even by this point would have considered tired if you hear a christmas carol and it's just a straight version of it do you really need to know it 
I mean, something's yeah. got to pull you in. It's got to be whoever's in it or where it is. Is it a Christmas Carol in space or something? And that's what they did. They took the concept and they went, let's just have Rich Little play all the parts and do whoever he wants. And it, it invested you into it. It almost dared you to watch it, which a lot of 70s TV did. Like this, like as the aforementioned Paul Lynn Halloween special, it's like, I dare you <laughs> to sit for an hour and a half through this entire thing. And I love that. I love that you could just throw something like that out into the world and be like, we know this is nuts. We're going to fill an hour of your time and hopefully you'll laugh at it. And if nothing else, you'll remember it. So I wish TV would do more just crazy stuff that's just for pure entertainment and let people do just weird and crazy things. I guess at modern times, everybody, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy Halloween special, which I hear is kind of fun. So I'm now interested to watch it on the heels of watching this Rich Little special and go, all right, it's it's that sounds neat. And of course, they're going to be their characters just fumbling around and they're going to where they're going to break that fourth wall and know it's not them. But it sounds interesting. So why not sure. have a little fun with it? Yeah. I mean, just to ride the coattails of that, I just liked seeing one of the first HBO specials that they decided to be like, yeah, we'll green light this. You know? Yeah. And that was the thing. I didn't have HBO back in these days. So it's no wonder I never saw this thing. I knew. Well, and it aired on like Canadian TV. Yeah. I didn't have access to that either. Although, you know, I live in Ohio. We're not that far from Canada, but (laughs) it was, it wasn't so bad, but, uh, and I'll say the, you know, riding off the coattails of this thing being kind of crazy. The only other thing I like about it is this is a production that would just, let Rich Little do his thing. But I like the fact that at one point, Rob, you see uh, Rich as Inspector Clouseau paying the ghost and he's leaning into Scrooge's bed and he sets the drapes of the bed, the Victorian bed on fire. And as I'm watching this, I'm going, this doesn't look like it's a setup. This looks like an actual accident. And it turns out it pretty much was. Rich set the curtains on fire and they just decide to let it burn and see what happened for a while. So I was thinking the same thing too. I was like, there can't be that many people around here. No, no. And it's, it's straight into that thing of for a second, you start to go, this look, somebody going to die in this. Yeah. This is real fire. And it's not like real fire on TV. It's like, this is something has caught fire. And there's, it's just funny because there's no way. You get away with that today on television. But I love it that back in the 70s, it's like, we're leaving it in. Yeah, it's great. He's almost burnt the set down. Fine. He rolled around. He had a good time. Let's just go with that. Um, We would be remiss, Bill, if we didn't say some of the things that rubbed us the wrong way. Of course. In this. And of course, the whole thing. It's not. I mean, hell. Family tradition is family tradition. You could watch this every freaking you know, this could be your home alone. This could be, you know, <laughs> it whatever. But, it very well might be. But it doesn't withstand the test of time in the sense that, like, no one's discovering Rich Little's Christmas Carol and going, hey, kids, <laughs> check this out. Um, because none of this style of comedy is really, like, for me. You know, I mean, it's it's weird because, like, I'm watching this for context and for, like, the like time capsule of it but not because I find it hilarious. It's like almost that two steps away of why it's funny for me. Um, And I'm just going to go through mine because they all kind of run together, right? So there's that. And it's like only a portion of like the makeup work even seems passable for the most part. So even if you don't know 
So if I don't know this is Truman Capote, let's say, or I don't know who Paul Lind is, then the costuming and makeup isn't going to do anything for that anyway. No. And that leads me to my final like questionable thing for this. Like, I don't know why W.C. Fields is chosen to be the Scrooges. Do you think that's because that maybe one of his best impressions or I don't, I, I don't know. Probably. I think it was just in Rich's wheelhouse. We would have to have that common, that $50 commentary to know for sure. Yeah, true. But that would be my guess is just he picked a curmudgeon older type of film star. I mean, it could have been that he could do. Yeah, that he could do. I mean, and I he's guess, distinct. I and guess. he's yes, he, he is very distinct. I mean, if you're gonna really take a stab at some old timey artists today and show it to anybody and have a chance of them going, oh, yeah, I think I know who that is. You know, you're not gonna get anybody under the age of forty probably that sure. knows that, and I'm over that. But yeah, you're gonna go, oh yeah, that's W. And I've never seen a W.C. Fields movie ever in my Me life. Me either. I know who yeah. it is. Yeah, same. Like. uh I, I got it. I knew it, but it it is. I think it's right that he's got a bag of tricks and it's kind of like doing the math of who's the oldest uh, person in my bag of tricks. Plus who's the most curmudgeon-y, who's the most, who would be the best Scrooge out of who I could do in the elderly range. Yeah. And at the time, I think, you know, it's all about the voice more than anything. Even in this, a visual thing, it's Rich Little's doing the voice of this person. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the only ones that hung me up were James Mason, which mm-hmm. just seemed like another guy to me. I couldn't yeah. get that one out. And when he came on as Truman Compote as Tiny Tim, I was convinced it was Elton John. He just <laughs> yeah, had the big same. Truman, the glasses. I'm like, what is is he Elton John? And I did. Well, I think there's up. also a little bit of like 70s quote humor in exactly. there. Exactly. And didn't translate into who it was it is and that actually leads into my dislikes one of them of this is that a lot of these jokes are dated they were even dated at the time the special aired in 78 it's a lot of 70s dad type humor to me and it makes it hard to relate to i'm sure for you like if you're born after this time some of these things don't go and they're a hard pass on some of this comedy because when those bits just don't land and i think that's rich trying to come up with things he even said that his inspector clouseau he didn't like i did read that mm. because he's just kind of a bumbling french accent so if you close your eyes you wouldn't know yeah that that was really necessarily inspector clouseau if you knew who he was anyway so sure that, that part kind of just ran flat for me especially if the bit went a little too long for some of these things Fair. Now, you can give me all of his Peter Falk that you want, even though it's not a very good Peter Falk impersonation, I didn't think. But it was nice. It was nice to see the mannerisms. And I knew that you would get a kick out of seeing that. So, yes, yes. 50 minutes well spent. And then I I would have liked a couple of more like uh, just one more thing. Yeah, it would have been nice if they'd found a a, uh, Basset Hound to walk by at some point. That would have been good, too. But then my my final dislike of it, it, there's not a whole lot to dislike because there's not a whole lot here. But it's that if you don't know what Rich is doing and you don't know the person, that kind of takes you out of the moment. Now, I will say this. I have realized that as a kid, I would try to impersonate people. This is one uh-huh. of the things I do watching these comedians. And I now realize 
that every impersonation I ever did as a kid was me doing Rich Little doing that person. Because <laughs> it's not quite right in a lot of ways. That Some of them aren't particularly impressive. I don't think, you know, everybody can do John Wayne. There's not a real big deal about that. His Carson is legendary. But overall, it's very much you're going, okay, I see why he's a Vegas act. This is yeah. something that you can do for... 35, 40 minute set, which is smart. This special is only about 50 minutes long and that's all you could take. And I think by padding all these voices into it, they kind of had to. Otherwise, if this had been one long WC Fields, Bob Cratchit bit, we wouldn't have made it out of the first 15 minutes. So Uh, 100%. It does go on a long time. So that is kind of a drag on it. Well, and to be fair, how many comedies do you really go back and rewatch? Not a lot. Right. A lot of comedy is made for the time. It is. You know, it's very few and far between that I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, remember that one Judd Apatow movie that was <laughs> hilarious that we can just play on repeat? Yeah. No. It was It was really funny in college when I saw it for the first time. And years later, I have no desire to go back and watch it. No. Comedy specials and all that show you that I have uh, Dennis Miller specials from the 80s still on tape somewhere. And oh, I don't really baby. Think I, wanna, <laughs> I don't think I want to go back and watch them. So Chicky I'm right there. Chickerson. Exactly. And that's the that's the review. And I am out of here. But we're not out of here yet. <laughs> not yet. Even though we've we've come to near the end of this particular review of this nostalgia bomb. So I think we're at the point of our show where we can wrap up our final thoughts on the rich little Christmas Carol in our patented five nights for a dollar rating system. Are you up for this, Robs? Oh, I'd like to wrap it up and then I'd like to tear it apart like a Christmas present. So <laughs> well, we'll remind do. the folks what this rating system is. Well, this is where we take a look at the film and we put it up against the old racket blockbuster. If you'd walk by, and you'd go into your video store. There's usually a rack in the back that would have a bunch of movies on there. And it would say something like five nights for a dollar. You could take your movie and for a dollar. You could keep it for up to five nights. And that's how we rate our specials. They're rated against themselves, not against anything else. This is simply a singular bit of rating that we use to show how much we liked or disliked this particular piece. So, Rob, you've gone to your video store. You've gotten through all the tinsel and the trees up front and the and the Christmas potpourri that's baking off to the side and all the Christmas music blaring over the blockbuster speakers. You found Rich Little's Christmas Carol, five nights for a dollar, throwing your dollar down, taking it home. How many of those five nights are you going to keep this particular piece of impressionist masterpiece? Well, I'll be happy that I found something in the five nights for a dollar rack that was for the season. Right? Like, oh, I came here to get something Christmassy. So already I've got a bonus there. There's something that I want. But I think I'm going to have to give this two. Like, I will be bringing it back after two nights. But when I return this to Blockbuster after two nights, I notice that there's a Mannheim steamroller best of Christmas album uh, on sale at Blockbuster, and I will purchase that Mannheim Steamroller album. So uh, two nights plus a Mannheim Steamroller Christmas album. How about you, Bill? That's awesome. Well, I'm going to lean into what I have now figured out is the nostalgia bomb that is this thing. 
And that's a big part of its appeal for me. And I'm just going to be upfront with that right now. Yes, folks, I do a lot of this for nostalgia and I have the feelings to remind me of it. So that's good. And it's going to make my rating on this episode probably different than any other rating I'm ever going to give anything. I'm right there with you, Rob. I think if I'm honest, this is a two night thing, but because this is a 70s rich little special and I do have a fondness for this, I'm going to probably watch it maybe twice. So that's my two night rating, but I'm probably going to keep it for three because I'm probably going to keep it longer in the anticipation that I might watch it again and go, maybe I did like that better than I thought, (laughs) but I'm not looking. I'm really not looking back on it. So I'm going to give it a nostalgia sub rating of keeping it for three, but only going to watch it for two. Well, I totally understand where you're coming from, Bill. And, you know, it is what it is. It's, it, it is a cemented in time Christmas carol by an impressionist who only a certain fraction of the population remembers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but as we put a cap on our first year of doing podcasting together, Bill, I would like to say that it's very weird that this is the episode we're ending 2022 with. And I'm kind of really happy that's the case. I am too. I gave myself a gift with this because I just wanted to see your reaction to this, Robs. I know you have to watch the Paul Lynn thing. I'm like, I just got to, I got to share this with Robs because let's face it, as I've mentioned before, I do a lot of this to amuse myself. That's one of the great <laughs> perks of this job and working with you and having you as a friend. So I'm glad this special exists just so. 40 odd years later, I could call you up over the magic of the interweb and go, Hey, buddy, I got something you got to watch. And you don't have oh, a choice. And I'm sure the we... wife loves it too. Yeah. And you don't have a choice because we're doing a show about it. So you got to watch. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, Bill, let's just say some thank yous before we close out today. Uh, got to thank Mrs. Colombo, Jothan, Patrick, Draxium, Dr. Z. Uh, a lot of those people help us out in different ways, and you can see links to some of that in the show notes. But you can also see links to ways that you, the listener, can support this show. It's the giving season. Please uh, do your best to show us some love by, I don't know, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just sharing the link with a friend or, you know, giving five bucks over at our Gumroad site. Bill, I mean, it's it's... It's helpful. We got to keep the lights on at the podcast, the Christmas lights at that. Oh, yeah. Those things take up a lot of space and time. So we work hard to put them up there. And we do, as we say, every time we don't have fans, we have friends and we appreciate all the support you can give. Anything that you can help to get me and Rob to do more of these, particularly sharing and any support that you can show us over at the Gumroad site is amazing. We appreciate it all. And please wrap up our show in a in an email and send it to your family and friends. And, uh, you know, you don't have to lead with the rich little thing. We got a lot of other shows too. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do it that way, but yeah. it was a good time. Uh, so we like to have a good conversation. Please hit us up in all those places. Hit us up on the social medias. If you want to say anything to us, discord, Twitter, Instagram, we're out and everything. And it's wonderful to have spent this 
rich little Christmas Carol holiday special watching it and talking about it with you, Robs. I, I am thankful for you this holiday season because this show has been a gift. It makes me feel good every single time we do it. Even when I feel bad when we start, I feel good when we're done. So <laughs> happy holidays, buddy. Yeah, happy holidays to you, Bill. I really appreciate uh, working on this show with you as well. Uh, it's been a true, true delight. Um, not sure if our listeners are in on it, but uh, they should know that our new series, you know, we did Predator. We've decided to do another series starting in January of 2023, and that will be based on a select portion of Marvel films that were made before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, we've already recorded all of these episodes, so if things sound dated, uh, just know that. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. And then while those episodes are airing, Bill and I will be working on the third series that we're going through. So we're just going to keep these episodes coming out at you. And the more support we get, the uh, better quality, better pace, better everything that we can do. So, Bill... Until then, let's take these last couple of weeks off and chill out until 2023. I like what you're laying down there, Robs. Let's take an actual break, not an impression of a break. And we'll come back in the new year, everybody. And we're going to have a great time. We had a great time making those shows. We want to do a lot more. And we look forward to talking to you later in 2023. All right. Bye, dude. Later. (laughs) 